1: Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the happy hour with Jamie Ivey. I'm your host, Jamie and happy last day of November. Like we have, we have, we have made it and December is around the corner. It's tomorrow. You guys, um, I really hope if you live in the U S that you had a good week last week with your family for Thanksgiving. And as we head into the holidays, I want you to hear me say that I'm fully aware holidays can be hard. They can be scary. They can be uncomfortable. Maybe 2022 has been your worst year. I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to lean into the last month, um, standing on something that is unshakable and standing on Jesus. We're going to spend this whole month really talking about Christmas. And without Jesus, there is no Christmas, obviously. Um, without Jesus, there's no hope. And without Jesus, 2022 can go down as the worst year of your life. But I also truly believe into the depths of my soul that even if 2022 has been the hardest year you've ever had with Jesus, you still have hope and you still can have peace and you can still have joy. So I want you to know that at Ivy media, that, that we really are aware that it's sometimes Christmas is hard. And we just want to know that we see you, um, and we understand and, We hope that in the next couple of weeks, the episodes that we're bringing you can really be an encouragement. It can really be a respite of someplace that you can say there is something bigger. There's something bigger at play here um, than myself. Uh, So the next couple of weeks, we're going to spend really talking about Christmas. Uh, Today on the show, Rebecca McLaughlin is here, and she's one of my favorite authors. I literally gushed telling her today how much I love her work. And you know what? I'm not ashamed of it. I don't care because I really do love her work. She's been on the show before. She has a little bitty book out called is Christmas unbelievable. And we start today talking about that. And as I was reading this book that you could literally read in in one setting, it gave me hope. Even when I look back on this year and think about things that have been difficult, it really gave me hope that, you know what, that there's something bigger at play here, that, that Christmas is really about something bigger than what's going on in our own lives and um, It's about God who saw his people and sent his son to take care of us. And so on the show today with Rebecca, we talked through the four questions that she thinks are important for us to ask around Christmas. And I don't think there's a questions just for unbelievers, although she wrote this book as an evangelistic tool. But there are questions that we should all ask questions like, was Jesus even a real person? Can we take the gospel seriously? How do we believe in a virgin birth? And then at the end, why does it all matter? And I want to encourage you as you get to the end and I ask her why this matters, man, listen to that part with intention because I was so encouraged by Rebecca's words of why this actually all matters. And I think I want you specifically to listen if this has been a hard year and you're rolling into Christmas, you're rolling in hot because you are exhausted or it's been the worst. And Rebecca's going to encourage you so much with why this all matters guys, these next couple of weeks. In fact, these next three weeks is all about the characters of Christmas. We invited some friends to come and talk about Mary and Joseph and, and the, the the wise men and the angels and the shepherds. And we're going to just really talk about, man, how do we see God in these people? What does it show us about Jesus through these people? How in God's kindness did he reveal himself to a virgin? It's just, these shows are so good. They're going to be shorter because we know that Christmas is like, you got a lot on your plate, guys. You're doing a lot of things. So we really, really hope that you're going to Take time to listen to these and I hope that they adjust your thinking about Christmas this year. Like my hope and our prayer here as we create these shows at Ivy Media is we hope that you show up on Christmas Day and you have more on your brain than just cooking a ham and opening presents or having to go to your aunt's house you don't really like. But you're really thinking about, man, what have I learned this month? About Mary, how do I think about that differently? So that is our hope and our prayer for you guys. Friends, if you are still looking for Christmas gifts, uh, don't forget about our holiday gift guide. I have bought gifts already from the holiday gift guide and we have tons of links over there. There are gift codes over there for you. So if you're looking for gifts, I encourage you to shop there. It's small businesses. A lot of them are owned by women and a lot of them give back. Go to jamieivy.com slash gift guide. Check it out. You're going to get all of your gift ideas there. And if you have not seen the show on YouTube, I don't know what you're waiting for because you're missing out. It is so fun. So encouraging. My friend Tony Collier and Candace Payne sat down with me at a live event talking about all these amazing gifts. You're gonna to want to see it. It's jamieivy.com/slash YouTube. All right, you guys. Here is my conversation with Rebecca McLaughlin all about Christmas. Rebecca, welcome back to the happy hour.
2: I am so happy to be here this hour. Well,
1: <laughs> this is gonna be the happiest hour that you've had that you will have all day today. I'm just letting you know. <laughs>
2: Oh, I don't know. I might be seeing one of my very best friends this afternoon, so I can't guarantee that. You know what? That's (laughs) going to be better for
1: you, for sure. But this is going to be the (laughs) listeners' best, happiest hour that they hear all day. Uh, Rebecca, you have been on the show before, episode 403, not that long ago. And it's really one of my favorite conversations that I've had. And uh, the listeners have loved it as well. So I'm glad to have you back. I just want to start off asking, anything new in your world
2: since we last chatted? So many new things, including uh, my husband, between February and like November of this past year, was building the house next door for us. Oh, your husband built your house? I mean, I I slightly exaggerate, (laughs) but only a little bit. Like we were living in an apartment, which we'd moved into when we had two kids. And then we had our son, who's lovely, and he lived in the hallway for four years. (laughs) So we've now just last weekend moved into a house, which has a bedroom for him as well.
1: Oh, good. Everyone has a, a place to lay their head. Exactly. This is a great segue into our Christmas conversation by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I do have to ask you this. I feel like every time I turn around, there is a new phenomenal work of art by you. Like you're creating content and books that I cannot get my brain around fast enough. Can you just tell us the last couple of books you've released because I want to tell people about the one I just read. So tell us about the last couple of ones.
2: Yeah. I mean, I have a guilty confession, which is that I have a small book writing addiction. Oh, I'm here like, for it. It's I'm, actually, I'm here for it's your addiction. Thing, it's the thing that kind of keeps me happy. And so, you know, some people like to run. Other people like to <laughs> sew on knit. I like to write books. I mean, literally it just, if nobody else reads them, that's okay because it keeps me <laughs> in a good place. My last two books were Jesus through the eyes of women, which is looking at Jesus through the testimony of the first female disciples as seen in the gospels
1: which and i was going to tell everybody i listened to it uh this fall and um it is so 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 good that i so good i told you i want to have you back on the show to talk specifically just about that so
2: so well, good congrats that. yeah um yeah and the other one is called confronting jesus a a, a sequel to confronting christianity which is my first book and it's looking at nine identities of jesus that we see in the gospels Um, designed to be given to a non-Christian friend who may be interested in Jesus, but not quite ready to pick up a gospel for themselves and just read. So it's sort of like an introduction to Jesus through the gospels. You know, Rebecca, I
1: think that's where your sweet spot is too. I think you do such a good job of meeting someone who might, I I think I have heard about Christianity. I I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of things I don't know. And you meet them right there so well in every book I've ever read of yours. Is that a conscious effort for you?
2: Yeah, I I desperately want people to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um I, and I don't say that I have dear friends who feel mostly called to discipleship mm-hmm. and to building up believers and to, you know, encouraging people in the faith and that is fabulous work and it's not that I don't want to be involved in that. For sure. But but honestly my beating heart is for people who don't know Jesus and I just desperately want them to repent and believe and find life in him. So yeah, I always I always want to write for them. On the occasions when I do write books that are sort of mostly for Christians, I am doing that because I ultimately want them <laughs> to um, to reach their friends better for Jesus.
1: What is the book you've written that you would say is mostly for Christians?
2: The Secular Creed. Okay. Yeah, it's looking at those, those mm-hmm. yard signs that we have in our yeah. neighborhood and maybe you have in yours that say, you know, in this house we believe that black lives matter, love is love, women's rights are human rights, etc. Mm-hmm. And it's trying to help Christians think through the various claims that get grouped together like that, both in the sort of non Christian world and often in Christian circles. Yeah. And to see how actually the Bible points us in very different directions mm-hmm. on on various of those claims and, and how to to kind of carefully sort through them.
1: You know, the thing that I appreciate a lot about your writing and, and we're gonna talk about this this little, little bitty, cute little book that you released. I don't even know when this came out, but we're going to talk about it in a minute called is, is Christmas Unbelievable? Four Questions Everyone Should Ask About the World's Most Famous Story. I want to talk to you about that. But I want to say this to you, as I've read a handful of your books now, um, as someone who is a Christian, who is has basically known about Christ her entire life, um, and then started following the Lord in my early 20s, Even I hear you talk about how you're writing these books for evangelism and you desperately want people to know um, the saving grace of Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, I read them. And Rebecca, here's what it does for me. It reminds me of what people think, if that makes sense. Mm. Mm. As someone who does uh, a Christian podcast and her husband's a pastor, and I do have a lot of touch points about in my life that are faithful followers of Jesus. For me, it makes me go, okay, so this is what. People are thinking it's helpful for me. And so just as you're writing and you want people to know Jesus, those of us that are reading these books that are followers of Jesus, it is an eye opening thing to like, oh, you mean some people don't think that Jesus actually ever lived? Okay, this is good for me to know. You know what I mean? Like it's it's really helpful for me as well. And no two travelers are exactly alike, and it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Guys, come visit my state. Visit traveltexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours,
0: that's traveltexas.com slash get your own.
3: Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast twenty-five.
1: I also want to say that when I read your books also, you have so much like pop culture. You start almost every um uh what's it called when you start a chapter. You start almost every chapter with like this was some Star Wars. This was some Harry Potter. And I'm like, I love Rebecca so much because it's just like, how are we going to talk about Jesus being born and being real? And we're going to interweave that all in with a story from Harry Potter. I love it. I just love it. So here I am just telling you, Rebecca, thanks for writing your books.
2: I'm glad. I mean, I, I am probably the least cool person, you know, just for full disclosure. Like I'm, I'm like embarrassingly incompetent when it comes to actual popular culture to where my friends laugh in my face. Mm hmm. Well, this, so, maybe this is
1: like classic pop culture, I should say. I mean, you know, like yeah, Harry <laughs> Potter, Star Wars, you know, it's different than, I don't know what JLo, I don't know who she's married to right now. Is it Ben? I have no idea. I don't know what's no. happening in her world, but yeah, something like that. Well, okay, so let's talk about Christmas. We're setting up um, in the next coming weeks, we're doing a characters of Christmas series where I invited friends to literally come on and let's just talk about Mary. Let's talk about Joseph. Let's talk about the angels and the wise men. And um, so I wanted to start with you after I saw this book a handful of months ago called Is Christmas Unbelievable? Four, question- four questions everyone should ask about the world's most famous story. And um, like I said already, I feel like that this book and this conversation you and I are going to have is really helpful for those of us that are engaging with nonbelievers. And mm-hmm. it's really helpful for those of us that are engaging with people who actually don't ascribe to the faith that we have. And they don't believe right. that Jesus was will. They don't believe that Christmas is like more than just Santa and presents. And so I want to start the conversation with saying, what led you to, to put this out into the world?
2: I I was talked into it by a publisher, but it was a sort of situation where um, I was asked to do something that I desperately, desperately want to do, which is write short evangelistic books for people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was like, short evangelistic book for Christmas? Yes, please. I think often, and perhaps you've experienced this with family and friends, people, you know, like the idea of Christmas Mm -hmm. and it's become so much part of Western culture that it seems impolite to question whether it's true or not. It's sort of like just, you know, asking embarrassing questions of your grandma or something like Mm -hmm. it just it's it's not what we do culturally. It's like, yeah, Christmas, lovely, all the things, whether they're the Bible things or the completely not Bible things like Santa and the Christmas Mm -hmm. tree. People just want it to sort of be its own thing. And what I wanted to do in this book is to say, actually, let's ask the embarrassing, awkward questions. Mm -hmm. Virgin birth. Are you kidding me? Like angels showing up out of the sky. Like this is craziness. This Mm -hmm. is wild craziness that we christians are going around talking about as if it's true Mm. so why on earth would we think that it was not just like a fun thing to do with the kids every december but actually true Mm. so so the aim of that book is to ask the awkward questions that most of our non-christian friends are too polite to ask and frankly most people who may think that they're christians because they've grown up in a broadly christian culture and go to church even on christmas eve or maybe on easter day I'll ask the questions that will really unsettle yeah. them and try to provide some sort of brief but provocative answers. Uh, very brief and provocative for sure. And I think also,
1: like I've already mentioned, I think this these conversations are helpful for those of us that faithfully believe the scriptures to be able to say, hey, I need to have an account. I need to have an answer mm. for these questions that people are asking and not just kind of like stand on the back of like oh I've just been doing this thing for my entire life and not be able to really answer the question of like wait like you actually believe that these gospels they actually all line up and they're just hearsay and it's not the game of telephone like you talk about in the book so let's talk through you you list out four questions in the book and I'd love to just briefly talk about all of them and guys if you want to pick up this book I'm going to rave on it for a lot of reasons. It's great. It's a great, very uh, brief and provocative evangel- evangelistic tool for your friends. It's also just a really great book for you to read around the holidays and go, man, What? where are my answers to these four things? So let's, let's dip our toe into the four questions and then um, we'll send everyone to get this book. You go through four questions. The first one was, was Jesus ev- even a real person? And I think this is like, Wow, how do we get to Christmas without Jesus? You know, it's like mm-hmm. we gotta we gotta tackle this first. And so, what did you want to pro? What did you want to show the world as you're reading? Or how did you come to the conclusion of Jesus being a real person?
2: I have sometimes found myself in conversation with people where they raise that question as a like, you know, ha- we don't even know whether Jesus mm-hmm. was actually. A human being as if that's sort of just an unclear thing so why on earth would you think all the other all the other right. stuff if it's not even clear if he was if he was real and funnily enough the person who I, I my go-to person on this question is Bart Ehrman who is a, a well-known skeptic of Christianity he's a professor at UNC Chapel Hill and has written a bunch of sort of best-selling books critiquing Christianity and you know um, traditional Christian beliefs about who Jesus was but one of the things he's extremely clear on is the fact that Jesus absolutely existed Mm -hmm. and that this is something that's believed both by you know from everyone from hardcore atheists to evangelical Christians who are sort of in the academic world. It's actually not a question of sort of meaningful historical doubt and the basic facts of Jesus's life are attested by non-Christian sources from from people who didn't even like Christianity um, to to tell us that Jesus was you know a first century Jewish rabbi who was um, claimed to be the Christ, the the Mm -hmm. long-promised king who was executed by the Romans um, on a cross and he was subsequently worshipped by his followers as if he were divine. So these are things that we can pick up even if we sort of set aside the gospel accounts of Jesus' life completely and just look at what early critics of Christianity are saying. That's what we can be pretty confident about when it comes to Jesus. So it's it's actually not a question. People sometimes think oh, it's sophisticated to question whether Jesus actually ever even lived. In fact, it's it's just sort of uneducated <laughs> to question that. I, I mean, I wouldn't say that in a mean way to a friend. But no, like but, but but it is this this idea of like, okay, I see your question, but l- there
1: are sources after sources of people going, actually, everything you just said. He was a rabbi who lived. His people worshipped him and all the things. And so uh, we can get to Christmas knowing that Jesus actually did live as a follower. During the holiday season, we all spend time and effort finding the perfect present for our family members. Nothing beats seeing your kid's face light up when they open a gift from you. I want to tell you about Irma, a woman in Colombia who wanted so desperately, as every parent does, to make her daughter's Christmas memorable, but she didn't have the money. Then Compassion stepped in. Irma's daughter is now sponsored through Compassion International, and that sponsorship is a huge answer to prayer. Compassion works through the local church to provide food, clean water, education, medical attention, and above all else, Jesus. The church makes sure there are gifts for every child and that each child learns the true reason for the season. We need you to sponsor one more child today. For only $38 a month, you can make a huge difference. Will you help a mother provide for her family this Christmas? Go to Compassion.com slash Ivy Media to sponsor. Go to Compassion.com slash i v e y Media.
3: Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000.
1: because I don't know why I'm skipping. But speaking of, we can say like, okay, Jesus lived. Cool, we got it. Mm. But then you've got to get through the fact that he was born of a virgin. So let's talk about that for a second. The next question is, how can you believe in a virgin birth? What, What do you have to tell us about that?
2: Yeah, so a lot of people today would think, you know, once upon a time back in the first century when people didn't know much about science, it would have seemed plausible to them that a virgin could give birth. But we twenty first century Westerners with all our fancy scientific knowledge and education, like just we just can't take that kind of claim seriously. Yeah. You know, fine to believe that Jesus was a good teacher, maybe even sent by God, but the whole virgin birth thing is like a bridge too far mm-hmm. for our twenty first century and yeah. everything we know yeah. What's fascinating is is the, the main reason people have for thinking this is completely implausible is science. You know, now we understand how babies are made scientifically. We understand, like, all sorts of things about the universe. We can't believe something like this. But what we we fail to recognize is that what we now call science was originally developed by Christians, not as an alternative hypothesis to belief in a created God, but actually because they believed in a created God who was both rational and free. And that there is a long history of scientists going back, you know, to the scientific revolution in the first instance, but also today to, you know, Scientists at MIT and Harvard and Oxford and Cambridge, and you know some of the the best universities in the world of people who truly believe that Jesus was born of a virgin at the beginning of his life on earth mm. and, and raised from the dead um, after his after his death, and that this is not a contradiction to the laws of science but that actually it, it is an example of the God who made the universe, who set up the laws of science in the first place, who actually sustains the universe right now, an example of, of him um, upholding his universe in a little bit of a different way for a particular reason at a particular time. Mm. So the idea that miracles are sort of completely um, cancelled out for those who take very seriously the claims of modern science, that actually doesn't doesn't hold up. Um, there are plenty of, of contemporary you know, world-class scientists who do believe in, in miracles, not, not like every claimed miracle ever. Right, for sure. But actually, the, the idea that um, the God who made the universe and everybody in it could not have made mm. one human being in a different way than usual, <laughs> it, that's actually irrational. Right. Like if, 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 if there is a God who made the heavens and the earth, then it's perfectly logical and coherent mm-hmm. to think that he could have for a particular reason at a particular time had a, a baby be conceived without a human father.
1: Yeah. You you end that chapter uh, with saying, you quote an Australian author and speaker, and you say, Christians believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. Atheists believe in the virgin birth of the universe. Choose your miracle. And right. I thought that was brilliant right there. Okay, the next question, which is the second question you answer is, can we take the gospel seriously? And I feel like this is a, a question that is asked, like, outside of Christmas for sure, but it also relates to, mm. let's talk about the life and death and birth of Jesus, um, that a lot of people would question, this is a document that was written, you know, 60 years after his, his death. And that, can we even actually believe this? How are they syncing up? What about the differences? And so talk take us through a little bit of your journey through explaining how we can actually believe that the Gospels are
2: true. Yeah, so the, the four Gospels in our Bibles, Matthew, Matthew, Luke, and John, Experts generally believe that Mark was the first to be written down, and even non-Christian scholars would date Mark's gospel to a, between thirty-five and forty-five years after Jesus's death. And mm-hmm. um, John, the last to be written down, most scholars would would agree, was likely to be written about sixty years after Jesus's crucifixion. Now, at first blush, you think, "Well, that's a long time." Mm-hmm. You know, I may not remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. How could you expect people to remember in detail with accuracy things that happened? 30, 40, 50, 60 years yeah. ago. Depending on how old we are, as we, you know, I don't know who's listening to this right now, but depending on how old you are, dear listener, you may or may not find that claim to be um, absurd. You know, I, I, my grandparents, for example, are in their 80s now, and they remember very vividly things that happened in their teens and 20s. Not everything, right. But the, the things, the conversations, the situations, the, the moments that were defining for them you know, the day they got married, the day their first child was born, the the day, you know, th- these memorable things that happen in our lives, we will remember for decades and decades. Mm-hmm. And the Gospels were written down um, at a time when the eyewitnesses, the many eyewitnesses of Jesus's life, were still living. And mm-hmm. actually, some scholars think that that's the reason they were written down is because up until that point, you could just have the eyewitnesses sort of traveling around telling their stories about Jesus. Right. But everyone knew those eyewitnesses were going to die out before long and they were mm-hmm. starting to die out. So, so what do you do? You sit down, you interview the eyewitnesses and you write down a faithful account of, of what they say. And, and that's what each of the four gospel authors has done. Um, now, we also have to remember that they're, they're providing a very, very, very condensed account of Jesus' life, death, mm-hmm. resurrection because they're, they're giving us books which can be read, You know, the shortest mark can be read in you know, maybe an hour and a half, the longest um, luke and maybe two and a half hours so think the length of time it takes to watch a film like mm-hmm. a movie We say film in england i think you guys usually say movie <laughs> movie yes um c- condensing jesus's life and ministry into that mm-hmm. small space requires a, a lot of editing <laughs> yeah. um you know, the gospel authors probably had um hundreds of, of different accounts of jesus's miracles for example his healing miracles and they're selecting down from that massive amount of, of yeah. verbal like oral testimony to the stories that, that they're going to choose to tell and i love how the author of john's gospel says you know if everything that jesus said and did was written down i don't think even the whole world would be big enough to include yeah. like to for all the books that would have to be written so mm-hmm. we're getting this very condensed account and we're getting a very purposeful account from each of the gospel authors they're not writing sort of dry history they're, they're telling us stories to persuade us that jesus is in fact the son of god and so when we look at the differences between the Gospels, and there are differences between the Gospels. So, you know, for example, Luke's Gospel, um, I called my son Luke because I love Luke's Gospel so much, um, is is the one that tells at length the story of of the events surrounding Jesus' birth. Mm. You know, we hear about um, Mary's encounter with the angel. We hear about um, Zechariah and Elizabeth and the mm-hmm. angel and John the Baptist. Like, there's a, a lot of time spent on on Jesus' birth. Matthew's Gospel spends some time on Jesus' birth as well. Um, Mark just goes right in when Jesus is already adult mm-hmm. in terms of when that, that story begins, uh, and John's gospel begins at the beginning of the universe because where else would you begin? Right. So you know the different gospel authors are making different decisions about what they're going to include, what when, um, you know, how they're going to edit and condense things. Um, often they're editing down like a long conversation into a, a couple of verses so that to give us a, a sense of of what happened there. So we shouldn't be su- surprised by those differences we we should always be attentive to what is each gospel author you know trying to to tell us um when it comes to the particular story they're telling us why they are telling us this story why are they including the people's perspectives they're including um you know how are they focusing our attention like at the end of john's gospel when um in the resurrection accounts john focuses us uniquely on mary magdalene's account mm-hmm. whereas you know all the gospel authors agree that it was women who first witnessed Jesus' resurrection but john sort of focuses us on this one particular mm-hmm. woman this weeping, grieving yeah. disciple of Jesus and her encounter with mm-hmm. him. And so we always we need to recognize what the gospel authors are about and that they were writing, as I say, well within the, the living memory of the people who, who saw what Jesus did and, and heard what he said and whose full-time job was to travel around with him, mm-hmm. learning his teachings, and then who, after his death and resurrection, went around spending the whole time telling people about him. So it's kind of like saying, you know, imagine you were interviewing someone who had worked closely with the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. And you started by saying, well, you know, those events happened a while, like many decades ago. I'm guessing you can't really remember that mm. conversation that you had. And they're like, are you kidding me? Right. <laughs> of course I remember. It yeah. changed my life.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's important you talk in a lot of this too, uh, in your book that I read this fall that I really loved about how we even see how much... Uh, Jesus reveals himself to women, and how that would mm. have been so crazy, and that yeah. it even adds to the fact that that why would they have built something on something that that the society would have said this this cannot be right, um, yeah. and yet we see so many women um, speaking up as finding Jesus as gone from the tomb first and seeing him first on the road, and I found that very interesting as well and a great reminder of how. Um, provocative even the the gospels Mm -hmm. and and the people telling the story must have been at that time you know it must have Mm -hmm. been very provocative um and how would that have stood had it not been true yeah very very interesting uh and then your final question which i think is something that it doesn't matter where you are in your life it doesn't matter where you are in your faith the question of why does it matter um it's a question that i think i don't think faithful followers of Jesus ask enough, if I'm honest, of like, why does it matter? Because what I don't want to do, I, I mean, we have faith, right? We have we have faith that things mm. we can't see and all the things, and our faith is so foundational to our faith. I think for me personally, I cons- consistently want to be asking, why does this matter that I believe this? Because then it helps me be more faithful to that, actually. Um, and yeah. so why does this matter to us right now?
2: I, I think a lot of people today think that Christmas can just be you know, a nice celebration of, of a, a happy story from mm. a long time ago. And and whether or not it's true is, you know, maybe a matter of historical curiosity. Um, I think there are, you know, many people today who think, yeah, sure, I believe that Jesus is the, the Son of God. Yeah, no, I mean maybe the angels. Like mm. you can say, but like probably. But they don't realise this is as serious as a heart attack. Mm. Like this is if these wild claims about Jesus, first made actually by Mary, his mother, claiming that the angel had come to her and told her that she was going to be the mother of God's only son, which we can't process how wild that was. Yeah. You know, from a first-century Jewish perspective, they they believed, unlike the Greeks and Romans, they believed in this one universal creator God who made the heavens and the earth. He was utterly transcendent. You know, the idea of this, the Great I Am, becoming a human being, mm. was completely absurd offensive blasphemous and yet that's what mary claims was told to her by this angel and it it can't just be of as c.s lewis would put it of moderate importance Mm. like this this is either true in which case it changes everything or it's not true in which case it changes nothing Mm -hmm. and and we can't just go around as if jesus is a sort of nice add-in to our lives a little bit of sort of spiritual twinkling on the side (laughs) you know something to kind of warm the cockles of our hearts around um in a dark and cold season of the year because if jesus is the son of god who came to die so you and i could live that means that every second of our lives belongs to him Mm. that means that there is nothing more important than whether we have put our trust in him or not that means that there is nothing more important for those around us whether they have repented and believed in the eternal son of god or or not this is a this is more important than life and death this is heaven and hell and we we can't afford to focus on the wrapping paper and the christmas tree and the sort of warm fuzzy feelings when people's eternal lives are at stake so beautiful and
1: so encouraging and convicting at the same time of what this next you know as people are listening what this next month means um and there is this tendency especially here in North America to run real real fast into the holidays and mm. just what 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 are the gifts do we have everything are the parties and the cookies and all the things and none of those are bad these are not bad things mm. um but there is this human tendency to show up on December 25th and gather your family around before you open gifts and read Luke and then go okay now let's talk let's let's focus our attention And I'm just grateful for your encouragement of like this whole season, all of this running in, everything we do around Christmas, like it, it matters more than we can even imagine. Like it it Mm. matters for the people around us. It matters for our families. It matters for our children. Rebecca, I'm so grateful for your writing. I'm glad it's your, your hobby and your gift and what keeps you sane, because I will keep reading everything you write. Um, you guys this book is Christmas unbelievable um, it is a what did you say you were talked into writing a tiny evangelical book or something like that
2: <laughs> yeah short evangelistic book a short there's another one coming out for Easter next year oh perfect <laughs> send it to me all I can't this wait Easter unbelievable <laughs> yeah.
1: and it really is this evangelistic book um, that I would encourage all of you to have in your homes keeping your purses getting your cars because you never know who you're going to meet who really does wonder how do you even celebrate like a man who lived and potentially well did die and potentially rose again this is a great really conversation for that and i can't wait for the easter book as well um so thank you so much for your work uh, rebecca and everything that you're doing Uh, Friends, today's What Are You Reading segment is sponsored by Tommy Nelson and the new children's book, Create Your Bright Ideas. Read, journal, and color your way to the future you imagine, written by entrepreneur Jess Ekstrom. Basically, this is a great Christmas gift to buy your kids. It's an interactive book for energetic, creatively minded 8 to 12 year olds, which uses inspiring stories, journaling prompts, coloring pages, and creative ideas to show kids that if they want something to be different in the world, they can do something about it today. In Create Your Bright Ideas, Jess Motivation. Motivates kids to be creators rather than complainers and ambitious doers who know they are never too young to change the world basically this book uh create your bright ideas uh by tommy nelson this is like rebecca this is like you for like an 8 to 12 year old like you can do this you can change the world you can use your ideas to do big things um so i'd love to hear uh, rebecca what are you reading these days
3: Jamie wants to know, Jamie wants to know, we want
2: to know what you're reading. Right now, I'm reading a book that my 12 year old read first, uh, which is called Everything Sad is Untrue A True Story. Have you heard of it? I have. Um, I've, I have a guy read a it. Named Daniel Nayeri. I yes. Don't, I'm not sure uh-huh. I can pronounce his name quite right. Um, he was an Iranian immigrant to the US, to Oklahoma, actually, where my husband's mm-hmm. from, and, and a serious follower of Jesus. Which is it's wonderful that his his book has become so yes. widely read and known, and I'm I'm finding it um it's funny often when I like a book I want to read it quickly I actually want to read this book quite slowly mm. because it's doing weird things to my brain and I want to have time to process like where but yeah well there's this moment I I'm going to quote it slightly wrong where he says um I I have control of your eyes I can make you see you know a, a blue sheep or I can make you see a this that. I'm like oh yeah you do I mean he's playing with the the power that an author has mm. as we read the words on the page and one of my my firm beliefs as an author is if I am not earning the attention of my reader every sentence every paragraph every page I don't deserve to have it and I feel like he's not only earning my attention but he's also then sort of playing with that power in ways that I find unsettling
1: is this the book if my memory serves me right where there's no chapter there's no different chapters it's just one big book
2: there might be yeah i'm trying to recall. he does a lot of um, interesting stuff with line breaks there yes. are paragraphs it's sort of like there's a there's a line and then there's another break and there's a it, you're it's and there's like the tornado the on the front almost the tornado. yeah, yeah. okay yes yeah.
1: yes i read it last year great book um Rebecca um thank you so much for coming on and starting our characters of Christmas season with just really setting up just why do we believe what we believe and why can we dive into Christmas this season in a new and fresh and different um way that really honors and celebrates uh everything we believe with the birth of Jesus and what that means for us as followers of Jesus and what it means for the world. So I'm super grateful uh, for you coming on. And now we can't wait for your um, is Easter unbelievable book that comes out next spring. And we'll have to talk about that as well. Thank you, Rebecca, for coming on.
2: Thanks, Jamie.
1: Thank you so much for listening to the happy hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you. Every encouragement we get to give you and every opportunity we get to point all of us to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show. It's because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that will make us think, they'll make us laugh, and they'll always point us back to Jesus. And come find me other places on the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm over there at Jamie Ivy. And if you've never visited my YouTube page, you're gonna want to go there. Have you ever listened to a show and wondered? I wonder what they look like. Well, go find us over there. It's JamieIvy.com/slash/YouTube. The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts. Executive produced by Jamie Ivy. Produced by Lindsey Sweeney. Edited by Angie Elkins. Show notes by Ashley Minor. Art by Jen Jet Barrett. Original music by Matt Graham. And I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend.
3: Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers 37,000.